Moderator JP, and I'm here as always with Father Chuck. Aloha. And continuing to join us in his non corporal form. Occasional Matt. I'm huh. here. There he is, is. Is he here as the result of a craft? Is that how he got here? <laughs> do we need I'm to do we need, do we need the SM the SM SMD? Is that a, the SMDJ to come S after him? S STNJ. The, the way too many letters. STM. Can I just say STNJ sounds like a Scientology term? Like I got my STNJ this week. Oh, that's funny. Basically. I was thinking it sounds it sounds more like uh, Myers Briggs or something. Yeah, that too. We we got to get some things out of the way first before we we continue with Madaku. This edition of Madaku. Things out of the way. Um. Uh. Chuck, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you so much. Um, how does it feel to finally turn 30? Have two friends that forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you just did a bit on top of my bit. Come on. One bit at a time here. You know, it's to, 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 to be a, to be a grown up. you know, it's, uh, it's humbling. Um, you know, the big, the big three O. no, I am, I am 38 and oh my. Oh my. saying that out loud is crazy to me because like it, it's such a. I I, I kind of think of the Blink One Eighty Two line. Nobody likes you when you're 23. Yeah. Because, you know, 23 is like that age that, that's like. It's just such a weird age, because you know, 21, you know, you're like you can drink. Woo. 22 is still kind of like yeah, you're still young. Still drinking. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 24, <laughs> 25 sort of feels like you're in your mid 20s, but 23 is just that weird like. Yeah. age where you're not really a kid you're not really an adult i i sort of feel that way about being 38 where i'm i'm not middle-aged yeah right because 40 is supposed to be middle-aged even though it feels to me more like 50 is more middle-aged anymore but 40 is supposed to be middle-aged and 30 is like adult right yeah so 38 is sort of like neither of those things right it's it's i'm not young but I'm not middle-aged. Right. It's not weird. quite sad when you try to be cool, but it's getting right. <laughs> right. That's kind of why, like, I've grown my hair out and stuff. Is I feel like I'm sort of like at that last stage where I can do that. Yeah. And not be seen as like a weirdo. Like you, you. I think by doing that, once you get to forty, that's when you start to become. Like the characters in Big Lebowski, right. and it's that that can be either be a good thing or a bad thing depending on who you ask. But for True. most people, probably bad. For us, I mean, I think of the dude as an enlightened being. Um, I mean, he is. He truly is. He's <laughs> so it's cool to me, but maybe not on Tinder. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm at this. Being 38 is like. I sort of feel like too that I'm, I'm I'm really nearing that age where, like like the clock is ticking on me getting a new tattoo. Yeah. 
right? Because <laughs> like I have one tattoo and I kind of want more, but I also feel like I'm hitting that age where like once I get to be like 70, yeah, I can do it again. <laughs> That's true. Because then people see the novelty of like grandpa getting a tattoo, right? Um, but You're... I'm I'm definitely at that age where like I can't do that stuff anymore getting closer and closer to that and like even times when like i put on like a t-shirt that has like godzilla on it i'm like i I just don't know i can do this it's no it's true it's it's kind of why i had sort of my my moment of clarity of like do i really want to be a nerd anymore like i only have so much time before it starts being weird (laughs) right you know as though it wasn't but yeah right even even with our mainstream nerdness it might be there's some time before it starts being like oh that's sad (laughs) you know like you're 40 and uh you're still arguing about ninja turtles Hmm. yeah unless you're actually like creating ninja turtles like you're like writing a ninja turtles movie or something and like you were hired to do it you know maybe maybe you could get away with arguing about ninja turtles if like your kid's and like huh. you're like 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 say Matt and I let's like say like Matt and I are hanging out with our kids and like I know that like Bond has watched a lot of Ninja Turtles and like say Charlie and Ford are into Ninja Turtles and we get into this and Matt and I get into this debate about which version of Ninja Turtles is better for our kids or something like I think you could you could argue that way but probably yeah. Yeah. I liked I liked the, the the last the Nickelodeon one that ended a couple of years ago before they just redid it again but anyway. right the one that was sort of like CGI ish like cell shaded CGI. Yeah, but they looked like they looked like the Ninja Turtles, not the new ones where they look like some weird box figure drawing tough guys. Right. right. So, yeah, I caught a few episodes. It was fun. I've never seen the Big Lebowski, so I mean, wow. There's that. What? I know. I like, I failed I like him, this, Chuck. I failed him. I feel like this whole conversation was pointless because I figured that's the point that you guys would dwell on. So I'm just opening with that. I've never seen the Big Lebowski. Okay, okay, really quick, Matt, I have to interrupt you because, all right, you mentioned, you mentioned in our thread on Signal that, uh-huh. that, I, that there are some movies like, you know, like, like uh, Arachnophobia and The Burbs are things that, like, they need to be part of our discussion here on Masters of Divinity. Maybe what we should do as part of this theme thing, JP, that we keep doing because yeah. it gives us that energy is maybe we should, like, pick a movie for that, like, maybe we should, like, create a list of movies that we have not seen. Okay. Like individually. And then what we do is like someone like JP would assign to me to watch a movie that say you and Matt have seen. Mm-hmm. And we talk about my experience with it and then vice versa. So like Matt should watch the big Lebowski and we can talk to Matt about him seeing the big Lebowski. I think it's a great idea. The big Lebowski, we have to have Funston on here because it is his all time favorite movie. Oh yeah, totally. We need as many holy people as possible when we talk about big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Well, more F-words than any other movie in history. I, <laughs> uh, I think it's up there. I think there might be... I think Goodfellas... Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, or even Pulp Fiction. I don't know. I had to research that because I don't actually know the answer to that. But I feel like I've, I've heard somewhere that, that Goodfellas comes close. I don't know. Goodfellas are like Casino. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which... Bam! Nice. Quick job. And unfortunately... Uh, do you remember when DVDs came with that? Oh, <laughs> full screen. Full screen. This is what happens when your parents get you a DVD for Christmas. <laughs> back in the uh, back in the two thousands. 
we should also mention that I mean we don't have to, but it, it kind of it goes without saying. It's October. Woohoo! Uh, let's Yay. get so it's 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 time to get spooky. Hold on, let me uh, just. Okay. What is that? Uh, this is pumpkin spice. Um... Pumpkin spice. I thought so. You dork. Can I ask a question? Yeah. When did the phrase spooky season start? Because I hate it. Why do you hate it? I mean, and, and to answer your question, I have no idea. But what, what's what's wrong with spooky season? You, you know, it does kind of feel like the happy holidays of Halloween. <laughs> it's just sort of well, one day I showed mean, up, but... and it was like, I never, I never agreed to this. <laughs> yeah, it's a war on Halloween, JP. We can't support this spooky season. <laughs> well, maybe it's, it's just a way. Halloween. Well, maybe it's just a way to be like to get into Halloween spirit without actually saying Halloween and saving Halloween for the actual day. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Chuck, know. this has to be like your this has to be like your all time favorite time of year, right? What are all the scary movies you're gonna watch in October? <laughs> Look, man, I am. <laughs> You know, I've got, if I had my way, right, I'll be honest, if I had my way, right, the movies that I would watch in October, every time that comes around is I would watch the original John Carpenter Halloween. Hell yeah. I would probably watch the original Halloween too. Can't reach it, but it's here. Um, I, I, I adore Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, Alien is definitely up there. Um, and you know what? I'd probably watch Jaws. Okay. Look, bro, you don't have to one-up me by naming, like, the greatest list ever just because <laughs> I'm trying to point out that you don't like scary movies. So, Oh, Sleepy Hollow? I'm going, I'm going home to watch Hollow? every one of those tonight. You'd probably also watch Beetlejuice, too, wouldn't you? I'd probably watch Beetlejuice, yeah. You see, for me, like, when I, when I think of, when I think of, like, the whole idea of, like, Halloween as a season, like, my aesthetic is not, is less, like, you know, horror films, like, you know, like saw like saw or like you know like or, no, or just... i'm more about like the atmospheric type stuff so like i really like like tim burton stuff like yeah. I, like i love sleepy hollow i think sleepy hollow might be like in my mind what oh. i think halloween's was to look like well yeah halloween to me although i watch all sorts of scary movies in october because it's october and it's an excuse to but um halloween to me yeah i would agree with you chuck it's Fun, scary movies are what I would say is perfect for Halloween. Yeah, yeah, like I agree. Kind with that. of like the, the kind of movies that Children of the Corn. Yeah, they're they're like classic, but they're fun to watch. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a a certain, and I've I've said this for a few years with you guys that there is definitely a certain certain subsets of horror that I find to be more uh, appropriate for the Halloween season. And to me, that's like mm-hmm. that's like Universal monsters. Stuff, like gothic stuff, uh, schlocky horror, something like like I love watching killer clowns from outer space around Halloween time, mm. or even like <laughs> Evil Dead, or even like Evil Dead Two, um, drive-in type movies, like like Rocky Horror Picture Show. It yes. feels like it belongs in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that kind of thing. The Lost Boys yeah. is like a perfect Halloween movie, if you ask me. Yeah, there's to me, it's, it's it's more of like a gothic atmosphere, you know, like, you know, Edgar Allan Poe type stuff. Like, I, I don't know, I just sort of feel like, like, haunted. So, I mean, like, I get the name that, like, the like spooky season evokes it, right? There is that, mm-hmm. that sense of spookiness. Like, I get it. I just don't like it. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of spooky season either. But anyway, but I, I, I also like... think it's playing, I also think it's playing off at the spooky, the word spooky is exactly what we're talking about. It's like funny while also it's supposed to be talking about you're scared. But if something's spooky, 
I don't go, oh, that's spooky, guys, and legitimately get scared. It's more like, oh, that's spooky. You know what I mean? It's it's just goofing around. I will say the hardest thing for me right now in terms, not hardest, but like one, one thing that's hard for me in October to not experience, because I've experienced every October for the past like five years or so, is going to Disney World and going on Haunted Mansion. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, that's that's something I, I miss. I, I you know, I'm gonna miss um, out on. Um, of course, you know, there is, there is the great Halloween, you know, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, which was a great thing. Uh, yeah. And it's time. But I, um, here's what I think. Speaking about of things season. we're getting too old for. <laughs> yeah. But uh, speaking, but getting back to the, the whole spooky season thing, here's what bugs me. I think most about it is I feel like it's a term and a concept that we came up with to sell more crap to stick in your yard. That's because fine. like we have to create yeah, well, a season, so you decorate your yard for the season rather yeah, well, than like just to, decorate your house, your house for one day. They didn't have to work too hard for that, though. I've been hearing for years that Halloween is the second most decorated holiday, anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. So, have you guys I mean, seen I think the giant? the culture growing on it you're going to talk about the home depot skeleton yeah have you seen the giant skeleton that big boy i haven't seen it but um i heard about it because kana had to take the boys to home depot for something when we were moving a couple yeah. weeks back when we first moved and when kana comes back to the house ford comes storming in the house and he's like daddy <laughs> you won't believe it there's a giant pirate skeleton at home depot because yeah. to him, skeletons and pirates are like that's what that's what they are. I'm, I was thinking of Chuck's list, and I'm a little disappointed because I said it was almost like the perfect list. I'm a little sad, Chuck, that you said the original Halloween and the original Halloween two, and you stopped before what is probably one of the greatest <laughs> Halloween movies ever, <laughs> which is ha- Halloween three, the season of season, season of the witch. Season like, of the witch, yeah. It's the only time of year that movie is amazing. JP, it is a movie that the more you watch it, the more you realize it's in it's incredible. It's I love that movie. It's so perfectly not good. It's also sort of becoming like the it's a wonderful life amongst horror fans. That's like where it, it was I mean, like it's... everyone hated it when it came out and it was so unpopular for years and then people started reevaluating it and watching it strictly for Halloween and now people like love it. Yeah, it's it's like the perfect October movie is it's a movie that set out to be a scary movie and instead became spooky. Yeah. <laughs> became spooky. And well, I mean, even the fact, JP, that it's called Season of the Witch, but that really has nothing to do with the movie right. is just perfect. Like yeah. what witch? It's just it's <laughs> so dumb. Why can't we call it the witching what? season instead of the spooky season? Because uh, that would offend people. Because people want to be spooky. <laughs> at least it's not like pumpkin spice also can i just we, we also have it we we've, we have a name for the season we've had a name for the season for a very long time it's called fall yeah that's true but i don't know well, yeah but no but spooky season is just specifically october fall goes into like thanksgiving, thanksgiving and everything too the witching the witching season which is a fitting lead into Yes, to what uh, we're going to be talking about on this edition of Modaku. Um, we watched Witch Hunter Robin. 320 years have passed since the coven sank in the dark. Witch, awaken power, bounds of jurisdiction, 
cannot turn a blind eye onto those infatuated by unforgiven power. You are a master hunter. I'm sure you'll do well here. But you must keep in mind that we capture witches. We do not kill them. I will. Craft user. Robin. Why are you doing this to me? You're doing it because you're a witch. What do you think huh? about Robin's powers? Is she just out of control? Or is she? <laughs> and uh, it, it was Matt's decision. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Matt uh, describe to the audience what is Witch Hunter Robin, Matt? Witch Hunter Robin. <laughs> Honestly, my answer immediately was Witch Hunter Robin is a Japanese anime law and order show with witches. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. It's a it's a procedural wow, yeah. it's a pro procedural police show mm -hmm. that is a mythical organization with letters that I can never remember um, yes, who yes. hunt witches. Oh my gosh! Now that you're saying this, it's really blowing my mind. You've got that. You've got the computer hacker character. He sort of wisecracks and like listens to quirky yeah, music. Always. You've got, you've got the, the man got in the chair. Yeah, you've got the mysterious one who just sort of does whatever they want. You've got yes. like which, hardened badass. Which Hunter Robin was CSI before CSI was CSI? <laughs> <laughs> wow! It just really needs like some quipping and like putting on sunglasses before a Who song plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, essentially that, I mean, Matt's, Matt's correct. It is. I was actually surprised at how, uh, painfully procedural it is. <laughs> um, uh, so, so that's what, that's what it's about. Matt, why did you choose this, uh, for Madaku? Cause I love it. All right. The end. Okay. Well then tell <laughs> us why, why do you love it? Well, I, look, I'm going to get into it, but I will just say this, um, I don't have some deep, meaningful reason for why, um, but sense. I found it very interesting that this is an anime I was into a long time ago and still love, and I never really got into the other ones, and then we started watching them, and I was like, I really don't like some of these, like Akira, but, um, but why did I like this one? And it caused me to look at some you know just kind of uh introspection looking at why does this one appeal to me and the other ones don't and i think it's funny that um a lot of what we're saying is it i mean truth is it can be boring at times and i love it for that reason like <laughs> yeah it's slow it's methodical it's paced completely different it is a full-on drama there's no action really to it they have an action sequence that ties up every show but it is a drama it's character and dialogue driven cartoon <laughs> so yeah. um and sound effect driven and, as yeah. Father Chuck noted. <laughs> the, those um, foley artists man they are the mvps of the first two episodes that i watched doing a lot of heavy lifting it's, i think it's the same reason i love shows like Broadchurch. okay British um, British procedural cop shows that by American standards, most people would be like, 
what the crap just tie it up in 30 minutes give me the point make it fun to watch and let's be done and i'm like no drag me along for the mystery like yeah make me work for it draw it out there's a reason why the cozy mystery genre exists in britain right it's just you can just veg while also being engaged at the same time Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. kind of to me, and I know a lot of people will probably disagree, but I feel like that was always supposed to be the role of television, <laughs> you know, uh, before mm-hmm. we started making prestige television, before we started having people had to like glue themselves to the screen just to see what happens next. Thanks, Lost. What's funny to me, just kind of touching on what you're talking about here, America. 100% proved that we're losers and can't handle TV like that with <laughs> The Killing. Because here's a show that came out that actually thought out the mystery and did it like they didn't rush anything in the show The Killing. It was drawn out episode to episode was like waiting to find out maybe one more word in the sentence that'll make up the story of what's happening. And people were furious because the season finale came and went oh guess what we didn't get to find out who did it in season one and they were so mad that the show was completely reworked to where it was tied up nicely in a bow and then the next season they attempted was they promised you will have the answer by the end of the season and it's just no i don't need that just take me along for the journey and work make me work for it and make it worth it in the end right like all that matters is when I eventually get there, was the end worth all the the watching? And I don't know, Witch Hunter Robin is that in anime form. They are going to well, drag you along through this story. <laughs> well, and, that's, and that was the thing I watching. I only watched the first two episodes, and unfortunately it was the only amount of time that I had to watch it. Um, and that was last night. But one of the things I was really surprised, or one of the things about it, is it reminded me of something that anime shows, OPA um, shows do is they're so big on atmosphere but they also they don't like you don't get the first episode like a pilot where they just sort of like here's the thesis statement of the entire show and whether you're hooked or not i mean you know it the witch hunter robin drops you in the middle of a middle of something that's happening and they don't tell you everything like you're you're expected to pick up the pieces here and then same thing with like evangelion evangelion does the same thing like you're you know, you're dropped into the middle with Shinji on the phone and suddenly no, it's like giant them. monster attacks and you're not really given a whole lot of information. And so no. you kind of have to piece it together as the show goes on. And that's something I, I think anime that anime does really interestingly. And I think it was probably why it appeals to certain people because it there is so much world building and atmosphere in it and it doesn't yeah. feed it to you. Origin stories, not their thing. Yeah. They're not they're not every spider-man movie we got for like 20 years Let's yeah start over and um, i think the the component that is sort of missing um that is kind of unfamiliar to us and makes it sort of interesting to us is that uh at least with this show um there is no uh, audience stand-in character mm. you know the the protagonist is robin um and you know she's dropped into the event but she's not she's not an audience standing she's not like a normal average everyday person and so okay. you can't really see okay. the world throughout she's already familiar with the world 
So that's something I noticed that yeah. I thought was kind of and, interesting that you guys are kind of touching. Yeah, on. and here, here's here's something I'm I'm curious about. Um, is how many JP? How much did you get to watch? I watched uh, I watched the first two episodes and like part of the the third one. For okay, so you're about on the same page. I'm yeah. curious. I'll ask Chuck first. I'm curious, Chuck. Yeah. What is the story about? You've seen two episodes. What do you know about this world that you were dropped in the middle of? So there are the supernatural exists. It's sort of like Harry Potter in the sense that there is a there is a, a realm of the supernatural that exists, but it's not something that the rest of the world is privy to. Um, well, the rest of the world denies, but yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And so there's. Yeah, and so there's basically like this group of people, and there's like sec, there's like sec, there's like um, sort of like lack of a better word, chapters of them sort of all over the world that are sort of like the men in black, dealing with these sorts of threats that the wider world either 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 in denial of or unaware of, and among those there and among those some of those are normal people some of them are supernatural users of some kind of power because robin is described <laughs> as a craft user which means she knows witchcraft she uses witchcraft but she's not like the witches that they're hunting which use it bad like they use it for bad purposes whereas she seems to be using it for some sort of noble purpose on top of that yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting proceed as a nun um um, I did read a little bit in Wikipedia that it mentioned she was raised by the Roman Catholic Church, which I find kind of fascinating. Um, but I didn't get far en farther enough into the show to kind of learn more about that, because one of the things I'm really, really curious about, and I want to talk a bit on this, is Japanese Japanese perceptions and appropriations of Christian iconography and imagery mm -hmm. and how yes. and how it's utilized in the way that we do with like Buddhist and Eastern stuff. Yeah, uh, but we can talk about that later. But that's that's what I think the show is about. That and there's clearly some degree of like Elizabeth Bennet, Mister Darcy kind of romance blossoming between Robin and Ammon. Yeah, JP, uh, <laughs> do you say the same thing, or do you have anything else that you caught on? Oh no, he. About? I think he actually Chuck nailed it. That's pretty much what I was going to say. And well, the fascinating thing about it is that how. There were probably like five different shows and movies around the same time with the exact same plot. <laughs> it's setting. But what? But what? What's? And but I'm I'm curious. In the first two episodes, how much you picked up on? And the funny, what I, my point to this is, you're talking about how they just drop you in this world, and there's these little pieces that you have to pick up here and there. Mm -hmm. um, no idea all the different like aspects of this story. I mean, I'm sure the two of you, if I start talking about it, you could probably piece it together because of your familiarity with so much around and like it. Yeah. Um, that you could probably put it together. But my point is you saw two episodes and what you really know is still nothing. <laughs> Whereas like you watch the first episode of like X-Men in cartoons in America, and it's going to tell you everything about X-Men because they're going to have a new student walk into the school and that student's going to have to be explained exactly what they do, why they do it, where they're at. Here's how it works. Right. Um, so that we can understand what X-Men is. Whereas Robin is a new character who walks in and she walks in knowing more than most of the people there, it seems, and just goes right into it. And we're like, what's happening right now? Mm -hmm. 
But like, there's these little little things that are hinted at and suggested at. Like, did you pick up what's different about the group that she's with in Japan? There's they don't. One kill. thing that she was blown away by. Yeah, they don't kill. What do they do? They take capture. away their powers. They capture them and yeah. take them where? To the don't, fact... We don't see where they put them, right? But it's yeah, it's almost no, like they put them in like a it. coffin looking. And I the, assume it's sort of like the containment chamber in Ghostbusters. They just sort of stick them in there. <laughs> the yeah. factory. But JP said they play the factory. There's yeah. this group, this mysterious outside entity being discussed called the factory. They answer to the factory. Oh. We go to oh. the factory. What does the factory produce for them also? Oh, no. Oh, no. Tell oh. me they grind, they, they grind them up and make the weapon. Orbo. That Orbo. Yeah. The stuff oh. that stops the power from working. Soylent Green you know, is people. Only people that have it is them. It <laughs> and it's green. The factory. They're sending these people to the factory. So where do you think it's coming from? Yeah, it's Soylent Green. Hmm. Orbo is witches. Um, <laughs> but well, that, why, well, that explains why that explains why Robin said that she would she refuses to use Orbo because she finds it disgusting. Yeah, I thought that line right. was so weird. Yeah. I was like, is that like a mistranslation or something? I don't get it. Like, but she so yeah, unoffended but she by her saying that. She doesn't fully know it yet either, because another thing about the show that becomes interesting later on is it has another thing that Japanese anime, it's almost, it's like a big trope I'm seeing in anime, is to have the inherent hypocrisy within stories, like to have the group, like that show that will not be named. Um, but are you talking, are you talking Nerf? Yeah, sure. Um, but to have these quote-unquote angels coming down to kill us, and angels are evil and horrible, so what do we do? We use angels to fight back. Um, so it's like we hate these things unless we can benefit from it, then we love them. It's like this inherent hypocrisy. Um, the show Witch Hunter Robin becomes that when Robin realizes she is a witch. There is no difference between her and the people she's hunting yeah. down. That's what I was um, going to ask. Like, well, I don't understand the difference between witches and craft. Yeah, there isn't one, yeah. but they all act like there is. And right. when she realizes there isn't is when the show takes a different turn because it becomes like her against everybody, basically, because mm -hmm. she finds out like, no, we're persecuting this group of people for being different. So, yeah, they're violent and evil. But what choice do they have? We did this to them. And we are them. There's no difference between them and me. So why am see, I fighting them? See, this it is becomes big. Yeah, this is this is where we're getting back to like the the differences between like Japanese storytelling and American storytelling, right? Like one of the things that so like I read um, one of I, I've I've really gotten into um, Haruki Murakami, um, the Japanese novelist um, who arguably is not that Japanese anymore in his writing style and blah 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 whatever, but. You know, one of the things I was just thinking about in terms of like cultural differences, right? Like in Japan, one thing is is that like there's not this sense of so this is gonna I'm gonna get a little kind of weird here for a second, but it'll make sense. Um, is that the like within the culture, like there's a sense of like we're not working against nature, we're sort of working with nature, right? So when it comes to, like food, certain foods will be eaten because they're seasonally appropriate. And you sort of wait all year long to be able to enjoy this thing. And that's seen and that waiting for it is seen as part of it. It's not just a matter of, 
you know, oh, because you liked it once, it needs to be available to you all the time, right? The, 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 the and that's sort of like, you know, waiting for the cherry blossom to bloom, right? That's like a very, that's a very Japanese kind of thing, right? The love and adoration of the cherry blossom. You wait all year to be able to experience the cherry blossoms. Um, you know, cultural imagery in Japan is things like, you know, the lotus that, that, that begins to bloom at the bottom of the, you know, that begins its process of growing out of the silt and then coming through the water and then blooming, you know, once it breaches the surface of the water, the chrysanthemum and its layers as it comes out, right? So like, these cultural metaphors and images that explain, you know, sort of the, 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 the sort of spirit and thinking of a lot of East Asian cultures, particularly Japanese culture, that fits within that storytelling mindset of we're going to take our time to tell this and we're going to let it sort of unfold on its own. Right. We're not going to you know, the idea is not like in American storytelling where it's like we're going to throw the thesis statement off in the beginning and then here's what the story's about. And then here are sort of like, you know things that happen sort of in relation to this thesis right. instead it's we're not going to tell you the thesis we're just going to have you read this as you know and, and engage with this as it as it unfolds and so like if by the end of the first episode you're not hooked well you know then you need to invest the time in figuring out what's happening and, and what this is all about which is very fitting with like a lot of Japanese pop culture, like J-pop, like J-pop groups, like these people learn these elaborate dances. I mean, there's a lot of investment that's put into, you know, being a fan of something in a lot of Japanese popular culture. And that's just sort of part of it. And they, and they embrace that rather than, you know, this American approach where it's like, we've got to like whiz bang sell you on it. And then once we sold you on it, we can do interesting stuff, right? That's why like in a lot of American TV, it doesn't get interesting until like the third season, right? right yeah. The first season is almost always like, eh, it's kind of dicey. You know, it's almost like within... focus testing, like in real time. Like... Right, right. And so this, th those differences are fascinating to me. Yeah. That's interesting, uh, Matt. I mean, it does kind of call back. I can't think of anything else at the moment, but I feel like I've, I'm pretty familiar with that kind of storytelling. The anime shows that I've seen movies that have interested me. There's really only two that I absolutely was into. And that was Witch Hunter Robin and Full Metal Alchemist. Okay. And Full Metal Alchemist kind of plays on a lot of the same things, where it's these two brothers hunting alchemists, and yet they're alchemists. So it's like, why are you hunting them, and why are they evil, but you're good? And it's like, yeah, they do bad things, but you do things without even thinking about the consequence to what you're doing. Like, it's the whole point to the show, because the show Full Metal Alchemist is based around the concept of, um... Crap, Alchemy? I can't forget what it's called. No, um... Um, something exchange. It's like equal exchange. It's a, it's the, the running philosophy throughout the entire show is like the law, it's the law of equivalent exchange. That's what it is. Hmm. That in order for you to take something, something of equal value has to be given so the show becomes these two brothers that ultimately set out to save their mom who died when they were little they're trying to bring her back through alchemy which is why they brought back her body but not her soul and in the process lost his brother's body but kept his soul which is why his brother's a suit of armor and the whole show becomes them hunting down these people for this group them pursuing their own thing also trying to reunite their family but what you're seeing along the way is the cost of everything they're doing 
-hmm. So you're seeing that they are giving up who they are in this pursuit. Which is, I mean, that's that's rooted in like the yin-yang idea, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Things aren't aren't clearly delineated. Um, And it's fascinating to think, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to me to think about how clearly there are folks who are really into shows like this and storytelling like this, right? Because, you know, I, I just doing some searches on Witch Hunter Robin, I found that, you know, there's, you know, fairly, not, not robust, but a significant like cosplay community around dressing up like, like Robin and things like that. Um, so there's definitely some fans of the show and the, and, and, and these are American fans um, or Western fans. But then you think of like a movie like The Last Jedi, which is so, which is a much more, much more rooted in some Eastern storytelling tropes than, than other like installments than like say like Lord of the Rings or something. And there was such a, you know, such a vociferous reaction from the nerd community. Like people who would be into anime were so against that kind of storytelling in star Wars. So just kind of, a, I don't know, that's, that's sort of an interesting thing, but, but yeah, that idea of the yin yang, the things are not clearly delineated. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we see that trope very common in various anime shows. I think it's funny um, or interesting. I feel like this is a kind of this is pretty um, inherent to this kind of genre, this sort of supernatural, uh, supernatural world living beneath us, like in, in our shadows, sort of genre. Uh, because the Buffy. Buffy sort of, I mean, I, it kind of feels like it wasn't necessarily planned to begin and kind of turned to that when Buffy find that found out what Slayers actually were. Um. And that uh, sort of needlessly killing demons probably isn't like great, <laughs> you know. Where like at the beginning at the show it was like oh it was like super empowering, and then they kind of find out like they're sort of trying to change the definition of what is actually empowering, um, because they find out that the slayers were just sort of uh, were created to yeah defend against evil, but they were doing it so that by a bunch of men so that men didn't have to do it. <laughs> And but also like kind of turning a slayer into a monster in the process, and that her powers were inherently monstrous, like evil. JP, let me let me see if I can I can help here by saying what she finds out is ultimately she was created for nothing more than destruction. Also, yes. And whether it's destruction of what you decide is good or bad, if you are solely existing to destroy, then why are you any better than the other things that are destroying? So like. Right. It's it's not not adding to the universe. It's taking away from it is what she has to struggle with. Since we since we've gone off on this major the, rabbit trail, even the I matrix, the really matrix. Good. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, but that's no perfect. The matrix is is her telling him, no, you're not the one. Yeah. And when he goes to tell Trinity, he's like, she told, and she's like. She told you what you need to hear. Oh no no no! I'm I'm talking about the Matrix like as a whole, the entire trilogy. When you find out that Neo was actually created by the robots. No, well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going by the one that's the good. Um, what are you talking so, about? The Matrix sequels are good. My, the, the architect, the architect scene is like it for me in the Matrix <laughs> movies. Like I love it. Like, yeah. I love it. it, it the. Ergo. But the I just, I just wanted to say on something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, the, um, the Harry Potter books, I'm ignoring the two of you, I'm just talking. <laughs> the Harry Potter books do a much more interesting and much better, I mean, the movies are incredible, 
and obviously books are always better than movies, but it's just because they have more information in it. It had the time to develop the Neville Harry concept, the mm-hmm. prophecy that basically said it could be either of them. And in the end, I 100% believe when you read the books, there is zero doubt that neither of them is the chosen one. They both are the chosen one, and both of them choose to be the chosen one at the end of it. And that's because it couldn't have, they wouldn't have beat Voldemort and saved everybody if they didn't both do what they did. That right. that the books do a much, much more interesting way of diving into that and making it to me seem much more in in depth and spelled. And that was one of my favorite things is the concept of it's kind of the same thing as JP, what I was talking about in the first matrix. It's the same thing that the first matrix set out to say with the concept of Neo isn't the one because he's the one. He's the one if he chooses to be. So he is told you're not the one, which is what causes him to go down this whole rabbit trail of questioning himself and everything, which ultimately leads him to say, it doesn't matter, I have to do this anyway, which made him the one at the end of The Matrix. Um, Same thing with Harry Potter. There's nothing special about Harry Potter in the end. You find out, no, there's somebody else that everything lines up to. What makes him him is he chooses to be. And to me, that's a much more interesting story than Destiny, which is why The Last Jedi is so much better than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yes, yes. Preach, preach. Um, so, like, is, does that sort of kind of tie into Witch Hunter Robin? Is there sort of, like, a Destiny arc happening with her and, like, the whole thing? that? I mean... Because we I haven't mean, seen the other exactly. episodes, so... Yeah, no, not exactly. It's more, it led us down that rabbit trail, and we got to that yeah. through the concept <laughs> of... Through the concept of it, Witch Hunter Robin is definitely a, like I said, it's a procedural police show Mm -hmm. um, that deals with witches. Um, But the overarching story that runs behind the, you know, the episode by episode chase down the bad guy um, is her coming to terms with who she is and her deciding who she wants to be. So, yes, it ties into what we're talking about, but there isn't a discussion of like she's destined to be this and then she chooses to be or not be it's just more this is who she is and then she yeah. discovers who she wants to be and becomes it so, so i got a question so yeah they tie in That's nice. but, i got a question yeah you, you see more of the show what what what's going on with the, what's going a long on, time what's going on with the creepy bar bar back the guy who owns <laughs> harry's that guy's creepy what's up with him i, I thought it was a woman okay was it not Okay, first of all, like an old lady. Um, nothing. He just is who he is. And <laughs> okay. second of all, I think that he was, um, I think that character was meant to be, and if you think about it, kind of is, was kind of a groundbreaking character in his, any kind of a series at the time. Um, and that's just what I'll say about that, is he's the, he's the, you can make assumptions back then on what kind of person he is and it's not in any way shape or form portrayed or talked about as a negative it just is you're talking about that was not something you saw on tv yeah absolutely but but it's not talked about it's not discussed it's not oh we hate this oh we love this he just is and that to me was not something you'd seen on tv 
um, before with Turner Robin. I Which, don't think I'd ever seen that where it was just treated as this is a human being. Why do we need to discuss it? Which uh, is an interesting thing. Which again is another interesting thing in in Japanese, from what my perspective, of, like Japanese, is yes, interesting. Um, of uh, <laughs> good, you caught that. Of uh, of uh, like in America, when we're going to introduce, like if we're going to introduce a character that has that, right? We we have to sort of highlight it, right? We have to put it front and center. We have to be like, look, you know, even though we might be sticking them in the background, and they're only, you know, or it's or it's edited in such a way that it can be removed for the sake of the Chinese uh, market. You know, when we have like these characters that are like gay or whatever, like we have to highlight, look, we've look at this triumph. We've done it. We've included this person. They're there. Whereas it seems like in a, a really conservative culture, like in Japan around this topic, it's more of like it's more important to show them as sort of boring, that it's more acceptable rather than to be like, hey, look, we've got a gay person. They're just like you. There's more of like the sense of like, we're just going to include them in there. We're not going to comment on it. It's just going to be a part of their character. And that, that is less shocking Whereas in America, like we had done that, there'd be people, you know, like, what is it, Moms Against Movies, or these organizations are, like, would, like, get up in arms to, I don't know if there really is. 900 Fox News talking heads talking about it for days. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just such an, I don't know, it's just very different, very different. It's like, it's like, we have to highlight it because on one hand, we've got to, like, we've got to have the, we got to have the, the the certain personality that can pat himself on the back. Like, look, I did it. I, I was the first. I got the I got the first big milestone thing on TV. Look at how cool and good I am and progressive and you know and I am. Right. And then, but then you've also got to have like the outrage about, oh my gosh, how can you? How dare they try to normalize this for our children and blah 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 blah. Whereas if like you just put it in there and don't say anything, like nobody would probably even notice until like years later, be like, oh wait, what? It's the id the conservative and the super ego of the liberal working in tandem right which is kind of like there's this very interesting criticism of the character of cam on modern family mm-hmm. that um i remember reading where someone said that like portraying a boring gay couple is its own kind of progress yeah um which i kind of i kind of like that to be is that honest. why ellen was so famous like what ellen dude you remember do you remember the stuff that went happened when ellen came out i know but i'm just trying to say she's boring that's all i'm trying to say say. (laughs) yeah i mean honestly i i I, I do know of people who at one point were not open to same-sex relationships who came to him who came to be more open to them because they watched ellen right um so maybe there's something to that um but i will say the whole bar thing just made me think of matt it made me think of john wick in a weird way because it almost mm-hmm. reminds me of like the hotel that's in John Wick. The innkeeper. Whole... Yeah, the innkeeper. Yeah, that there is like this whole other world that you're being hinted at, and that's something that I really like. I really like world building, and so I like that the show, it doesn't it doesn't rely on action, but allows more you know atmosphere and world building to be taking yeah. place. Well, well, and to be honest, it's been a long time since I watched the show, um, and I only got to watch a couple episodes before we did this because unfortunately it's a tv show and there's only one season guys go watch it there's like 900 episodes in one season but it's fine watch the whole thing but um but to be honest with you i it's been so long i wouldn't be surprised if he is if it turns out that he's the big like connection into this other world that's outside of it that wouldn't surprise me because the show does like i said um take a turn and it stops becoming just this like buddy cop show where it's, you know, like a procedural 
here's the bad guy, here's the clues, here's what's happened, we caught them, and it's done. And it starts diving into this other aspect of these two two worlds clashing against each other. I can't, I can't remember um, how his story plays out because it's been a long time since I've seen it. But he is definitely a character, as you can tell in the first two episodes, he's definitely a character that does not go anywhere. He is around for the entire show. So he does have a purpose and a story because that's another thing with anime. There are no reoccurring characters that don't serve a purpose in anime. They have a story, they have an arc, and they are part of teaching you something about the the story in and of itself. They, you know, you know, like as opposed to an American show that could have a somewhat regular character that's literally just there. <laughs> it's these characters add to add to things. They have a purpose. Maybe you haven't watched all of anime. I mean, there could be some. <laughs> Look, I'm making generalized stereotypes here. If we have learned nothing in the past several centuries, it's a stereotypes are totally fine, right, guys? Um, guys, there is a there's an anime that I really want to watch. That's um, that's around about there's baseball. There's a statement I'll never make. Go ahead. Well, it's about baseball, and the third season is set in like Iowa, which I'm just really fascinated. I'm always fascinated by, like, like Iowa. like a Japanese. <laughs> like a Japanese understanding of like an American culture or American place. Cause I was, I was looking up to see considering how, how many, like just how Japanese to Hawaii is. I was trying to figure out if there was any anime that were set in Hawaii and there aren't, which was shocking to me, but I did learn about some others that are set outside of Japan. And um, this baseball show is set in Iowa. I can't remember the name of it though. Um, but um uh, at least the third season is set in Iowa, but it just that, that I don't know. It's, but that's fascinating to me. Like anime can, you know, yeah, we got a show about secret society fighting witches, and we've got you know schoolgirls in mech suits. We got all those kinds of shows. But then you can also have one that's about baseball, and another one that's about soccer. Yeah. Like that's cool to me. I have some thoughts about the show. It's very two thousands. Uh, it has a kind of uh, the the theme. I actually kind of like and <laughs> that it's sort of grungy kind of new metal not want to say new metal but sort of that grungy kind of contemporary kind of stuff you heard a lot in that time period uh you know a lot of dark clothing a lot of dingy design aesthetic but also sort of gothic kind of mixed into it and there's also like a sleekness to it um but it's 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 not like for some reason i'm not like put off by it and i think it's because it, it's kind of owning up to it can I can I just say real quick? You're talking about the design aesthetics in the show. Yeah, I love the phone. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want that phone. The flip phone? No, 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 no. Like the, 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 the actual oh. hands. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hands. what a cool what a cool thing that sort of that sort of fits into the aesthetic of the show, right? Super sleek and modern, but it also has like a has sort of a Victorian esque type aesthetic to it. It's just that's very kind of kind of quasi steampunk, like yeah. digital steampunk. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I think what's, I mean, this is already like because of the genre that it's in, um, a genre that I, I feel like I'm kind of a, an expert in. That I uh, because I, I tried so hard to like make my own kind of property exist in that kind of uh, storytelling, well, with, with freaking vampires and a couple of other projects of my own. It's crow. Uh, it's crow adjacent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's um I I yeah. 
so it's I have a I already I have like an automatic fondness for it. Um, I, I mean, I could watch anything that takes place in like in a supernatural world, right? And in a modern day supernatural world where like the most people sort of just deny that everything exists. That's exactly how, what Buffy was. Um. um well, that's yeah. That's ahead. what I was laughing at is when you said that he said the crow, but it's a hundred percent Buffy. Is oh yeah. Shape, shape. To the point where, JP, please don't let me offend you. But to the point where high school JP would write stories and be like, "Oh, you got to read my story I wrote. Tell me what you think." And I'm like, "Okay, you you basically wrote Buffy and changed the names." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. He's grown past that, ladies and gentlemen. But my point is, um, this concept of people who are out there fighting the bad things in our world that we don't want to even admit exists but they are selflessly devoting their life to keeping the rest of us safe from something that we don't even want to acknowledge is a thing that I think has driven JP for years <laughs> is oh, yeah. that concept. And from Ghostbusters and I mean, to Hellboy. I mean, nothing nails it better. JP, there's no better moment. My opinion of acknowledging, I think your inner like fascination with it, Nothing puts it better than Buffy being held, handed the golden umbrella and the whole school acknowledging that they've seen what she did all along, yeah. even though they never acknowledged it and were denying it and tried to act like it wasn't happening. Right. Um, that moment right there, I think, is what, in my opinion, that's what grabbed a hold of high school JP and <laughs> never <laughs> let go. That moment of like this acknowledgement that you're giving yourself to something bigger. And when somebody else sees it, it's just like, wow, I never knew that anybody noticed right. sort of a thing. Definitely. I mean, oh gosh, I can go, I mean, I can write a book about how Buffy impacted me and what specifically, what nuances stuck with me. Um, but I'm just, I'm just kind of pointing out that this I can is... write a book on the episode, the body, but good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely within that trend, but I think it does a kind of a good job of also holding its own. There were so many, I just remember there being so many WB shows trying to be like Buffy and BBC also trying, like chasing the Buffy hockey puck. Uh, also Angel, um, especially Angel. I think Angel produced more ripoffs than Buffy did, to be honest. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Charmed Roswell. <laughs> There was this show on the BBC called Strange, and it was about a, a priest. Wait, hold on, hold on. I don't want to know anything about priest and strange. I, I might have to. It was about a priest named, I think, like John Strange or something, and he and he had this uh, uh, he he had this little team of investigators, and like one of them was a kid with Down syndrome who was also psychic. And he could sense demons. And so he would hunt them down. And But the demons were... They just looked like people with, like, fangs. Like, it was cheesy. But I loved watching it. Like, I, I, I don't care how bad it is. I'll watch it and I'll love it. Uh, and I think that one of the greatest accomplishments of, of that genre... Uh, one of the greatest things ever come out of it... Constantine. The Keanu Reeves film? Yes. Yes. Constantine and Blade. Blade's up there too. Okay, so first of all, yeah, 
I this is a this is a um, Chili's moment for me, JP. Yeah. I don't know if you like these movies <laughs> or not right now, <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and just flat out say, um, first of all, Blade, love Blade. Yeah. Like Wesley Snipes, come on, Blade, totally. amazing. Guy went to jail. It's all good. Bring him back as Blade again. Um, but Constantine, I actually love that movie too. Can't tell if you're joking or not, but I love that movie. I'll My be. I'll be okay. About that movie. I mean, I'm being. I, I am being retrospective. When we all, when we were growing up in all of this, watching all of these because we didn't have Buffy anymore, uh, and I'm trying to recreate my own Buffy watching all these. I was very unsatisfied with all of them, but there was a part of me that I was denying that no, I actually love every single moment of this. <laughs> I'm actually like enjoying I, really I, enjoying how, myself. Can you no, not? First like, of all, how can you not like? A movie that features a cross-shaped silver shotgun <laughs> and features a character ascending into heaven while giving me. the devil the finger. Yes. I mean, see, again, see, again, I don't actually know if you two are mocking me right now or not. But here's what I'm going to say. No. Here's what I'm going to say. But what, what, what I'm going to say is I want the song Passive by A Perfect Circle to play every time I enter a room <laughs> and I want it to be in slow motion. There's first comment. I think if you don't know what I mean, just watch the scene where Keanu Reeves walks into the bar. You think John Wick's cool? Forget that. Watch where he walks into the bar and that song is playing where it's like, I'm dead as dead can be. And it's slow motion. Love it. Secondly, blessing the sprinklers. <laughs> and third, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. At one point, I had a conversation with JP years, years back. Uh, regarding freaking vampires in one of our, you know, one of our like brainstorm sessions for this thing. Uh, and I, I don't even remember this JP, but I, I personally think it'd be very funny to include in some kind of show like that or a storyline like that with this whole conversation of whether or not like it has to be Catholic in order for it to actually work. Like, oh, can yeah. it be Anglican? Can like Anglican, like can like an Anglican blessing actually kill demons or does it have to be a Catholic blessing? Right. Oh, we, we've, we've uh, had I'm, an episode about this. <laughs> Did we? Okay, guys, guys. Can I say something that would get me in so much trouble? But I want to say it anyway. In our show, I want to have like a Catholic priest bless it and it works. And then have like Father Chuck, the Episcopal priest, bless it and it works. And then have like, you know, the Anglican, whatever, bless it, it works. And then have a Baptist preacher bless it and they die. <laughs> I just, I, hey, I this just gives me a that for me. <laughs> this gives me a moment to, to give like a brief, uh, a brief appreciation to, um, to from *Dust Till Dawn*, which actually features a Baptist minister killing vampires and it being effective. <laughs> okay, well, I just wanted to say uh, I kind of want to just commend the show for a minute uh, because I I do like I, I I've I've read up on some criticism and people don't like the exposition because there is a lot of expositioning leading up to like maybe three minutes of action at the end. The second episode is very strange because uh -huh. it seems like they're really setting up for something really intricate, but then they just like kill the guy at the end, or not kill him, but you know capture him. Um, box. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, this is like the perfect kind of television in a time before prestige TV, when TV was TV. Like this is the kind of stuff you have on the on in the background. But not that you're ignoring it; you can still kind of follow it while you like fold laundry or whatever. Um, this is the kind of stuff that reminds me of those days when we would go to Taco Bell and get like a case of beer and come back and watch Adult Swim, you know, yeah. and, and that's, and I feel like 
and I feel so weird kind of reminiscing about that because it's so like it just kind of showed how bored we were. But I don't know. I I I kind of miss that being available to me, like having something that I can watch while I eat. You touched on something that I think is part of why I love this show and touches on a much bigger topic that we could get into in another episode, maybe. And the word boredom you used, um, and I'm going to use it in a way that we see it as negative, but what I'm going to say is I think uh, America has lost its ability to be okay with being bored <laughs> and with allowing with allowing yourself to just be in that moment. Just watch the show where people are talking. Yes. Just do what you're doing. Listen to what they're saying and don't worry about being entertained every second, but understand that like it's okay to have these moments where you're just there and in it. And the payoff is if you, I mean, in the show, the payoff is if you stick with it, the story that they're telling turns out to be incredible. But the, you you get that payoff by sticking through the moments where you're just listening, kind of going, why am I watching this? But you're kind of following what it's doing. It's not moving quick. It's taking you long for it. And you actually appreciate when something happens because of the build up to it. Like it's finally, oh, yeah, here we go. Um and I think our world has lost its ability to be okay with, again, I'm going to use the word boredom, but it's not actually boredom that I'm talking about. It's just being okay with being and not needing to constantly be bombarded with entertainment, constantly be bombarded with flashy. Here's the end. Here's the exciting part. Here's the action sequence. Here's the next fast and furious movie, which I love, but those are an endless stream of bombarding your senses with, nonsense yeah instead well, just dwell in the moment just be are, there it's the atmosphere that chuck's talking about the atmospheric thing just allow yourself right. to be in that world are, are you saying that we just we, we've lost the ability to just abide <laughs> yeah i i'm gonna I'm probably going to become the dude. I'm just going to say it right now. Like that is, I think that's just my future. Like that is, it's going to happen. And I yeah, don't think, think I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it when think it happens. Think about Rob Bell, how to be here. Right. Think yeah. about, you know, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, but the book, um, how to do nothing. Like that's, that's what we're talking about in our world now, man. Just abiding. Just yeah. Being. It's so true because I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot too, about like how, we should st like maybe don't yell at each other on social media. Like, and I know like some people think like I have to make some kind of stand. Like, well, we'll do it in reality, <laughs> you know. Instead you're of you're not making any stand. Can we just address the fact that you're not making a stand on social media? You're just making noise. Probably. Just making I mean, noise. I don't know. I think some people probably benefit from it. Some, but it's 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 small. Yeah. And I think, it's, but I think it's people, it's people who have a real life presence that make a difference in social media, not the guy sitting at home who thinks his life is social media. I have kind of started to like go outside just to feel like the pull of like, <laughs> I have to go back in and, and sit on, and, and on my phone, on my laptop, whatever, just to feel that and to be, and to be, I feel like, what does it feel like just to go, just to go through it? And come out the other end. How do I feel about it? 
and like what can I what and what is it going to reveal about me what am I going to find out and it's it's well, led I mean, to some interesting things like I started I started writing in notebooks again um I started uh my a lot of my beliefs a lot of my political beliefs have changed a lot from from doing that um it's pretty fascinating and I think people should try it it's sort well, of like I'm getting just... out into the wilderness to find the voice calling in the wilderness. Yeah, and you know what? Even if I didn't have wilderness, I would I would still do. It. I would just sit, just like sit in your room, stare at a wall, and just like because I feel like we just we, we constantly need stimulation all the time, more more so than ever before. It's 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 let me let me just be the ninety year old man right now and just full on say it. It's kids these days; they don't yeah. understand. Like, remember when you had to wait? to see that movie that you wanted to see yeah you had to wait months for it to come out and then if you got to see it you had to wait months and months again before it came out on video and then you had to wait till the weekend so you could drive to the video store to rent it and watch it like how much more it meant when you hit play and now i sit on my couch every night scrolling through two billion movies and tv shows going (laughs) I don't know what to watch. I don't want to watch any of this. Yeah. Like, there is something about, and I know, we're getting old. We sound like old people. Guess what? When you grow up, you're going to sound old, too. It's called wisdom. You're, there is something about waiting that makes the payoff worth it. Like, even if it's not the best movie you've ever seen. It's better than the great one you saw tonight just because it was on Netflix and you hit play. The other one was better because we had to wait for it. Like the anticipation, the wait, the growing like sense of where is, how's it going to be? How's it going to end? And that to me, Witch Hunter Robin, it's a show that, yeah, you've got to wait through the context, wait through the discussions, listen to the characters talk, actually start to learn to care about who these people are. What are they doing? Why are they doing it? Like old Star Trek. Yeah. Show tells you what. Yeah. And then the show goes, oh, yeah, by the way, here was the story the whole time. Right. Because it's not something we don't have now. It's not bingeable. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm I'm also, Matt, thinking about, you know, you talk about the whole, like, that whole, like, process, right? We miss, like, I I miss that idea of, like, you know, friends, you know, sleeping over at a friend's house and first you go to Blockbuster and you have to go through the movies and you sort of argue about what you're going to watch and try to, you know, sort of, but you, like, go through and browse covers and sort of wonder what they are and take risks of getting things. You remember, like, those moments just being bored and you're flipping through the TV and there's you had a sense of, like, there's nothing on and then you, then something catches your attention and you actually park on it and though you haven't, you've come in in the middle of it, you might finish it. Like, I think of, like, I reevaluated Prometheus because when I used to have HBO, it was on and I decided to watch it. And by watching it again, I would realize it's actually a very good movie. Um, or, like, that's how I discovered and the only time I've ever seen the movie Reign of Fire was because I was surfing <laughs> TV and it just happened to be on. I love that movie. Um, Great movie. That's another one you can't watch anywhere. Um, and really? so, oh, that sucks. Yeah, Disney owns it, but it's not on. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I keep telling Kana that like we have to find it and watch it because it is, it is, it is the pinnacle of cinema. Um, but you know, like I just wonder how much of that we're missing out on too, right? Of that that discovery. And so again, like we went try to Robin, right? Like you know, this is a show I probably would have never caught if you hadn't said watch it, right? Because yeah. I'd have to go seek it out, right? This is something that like otherwise, you know, if it had been on Adult Swim, I would have 
watched it. Like how Matt found it. Matt, that's probably how you found it, right? Like you probably just stumbled upon it one night. And I think a show like this too is good because it, because it doesn't spoon feed it all to you, it gives you space to sort of pl- plug in the gaps yourself and sort of fill in and try to figure out what's going on yeah. on your own, which stimulates your imagination, right? Because you can watch it and, you know, they hint at something larger and then you're like, okay, well, what, what, what could this be? And then that allows you to kind of imagine other scenarios. Right. Um, you know, which is, you know, again, in, in a lot of a lot of American entertainment, it's spoon fed because it doesn't want you to engage your imagination. In fact, I read what was it? I, I read I read a, a, a thing not too long ago about Galaxy's Edge. No, it was Charlie was watching the um, he was watching the behind the scenes thing on Disney's Galaxy's Edge Park. And one of the Imagineers outright said, we don't want you to use your imagination when you come here. We want it all to be real for you. Hmm. And I remember hearing that and thinking, like, that's kind of messed up, right? I mean, isn't that your whole job about using imagination? Yeah. Is that what Disney's trying to do now? And is that what all of our entertainment is? Is We don't have to use our imaginations anymore? That's scary. But yes, Chuck, Adult Swim is where I discovered the show. Yeah. Cool. But anyway. God bless Adult Swim. Still doing the Lord's work all these years later. Boondocks is on there. That's how I caught Boondocks. Yeah. Oh, God. We could go on and on about Cartoon Network and Adult Swim and just Toonami and just all the... What a well, gift you that can. brought to I us. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Well, we well, probably also go. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of fun. This is it was it's an interesting episode because we didn't really like get into the particulars of anime, um, which I mean maybe that just kind of speaks to uh, what the show was able to accomplish, you know. Um, okay. Well, particulars of anime was not flashy, colorful, and that's another reason I like it. It's dull and drab and boring. Yeah, a lot of threes. We learned anime. about ones, twos, and threes in the last episode. A lot of threes in this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny watching like Akira, then watching this, and be like, "Wow, does anything move?" Uh... Yeah, I was gonna say that. Was say the animation is a little, you know, little, you know, obviously a show and not a movie, so they, you know, they've they've, they've got to the be budget. economical. Yeah. And the character designs are, aside from Robin, I feel are fairly generic. Um, I think that's the point. Yeah, the but yeah, I, agree. I agree. She because her character, if you saw the cosplay, which by the way, I'm curious, Chuck, wherever you discovered that there was cosplay, I guarantee you it's from 2002 because this show kind of <laughs> died off right after it came out. Oh, okay. um, but the only thing anybody cosplayed as was, was Robin because right. her look, her look was like iconic with these weird thin wannabe versions of princess leia things on the side of her head but yeah. the long streaming it had the but obvious anime japanese aesthetic to it with the hanging like the loose hairs hanging and stuff that can, became a major thing and all the other I, characters nobody remembers because they're generic and i think that was the point i want to say though i did i did have to chuckle a little bit in the second episode because she wakes up at the very beginning of the second episode she comes out of her room and her hair is down yeah so we get a moment where she's starting to actually put her hair up and we see it. And then when it's done, all those strands are placed. Like I had this moment where I was like, this, this is intentional. Like I thought it was supposed to be like half past. No, this is intentional. She actually like lets oh, the things Oh, it's a billion percent. Yeah, it's a billion <laughs> percent, guys. It is, it's the absolute equivalent of us all attempting to have that perfect bed head of like, what? I just woke up and my hair looked this perfectly disheveled and spiky. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It is. It is. Cool. Well. Anyway. Uh, great. Well, we hope you enjoyed Modaku. Um, oh, we're done. 
Um, yeah, that's it. That's all, folks. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know if you liked and we sh- if we should uh, do it again. I, for one, think we should do it again. I think I thought it was fun. Uh, yeah. But if you uh, ha- had some thoughts, go ahead and leave them. Uh, we, of course, read them because we don't get many anyway. <laughs> so, uh, once again, I want to thank uh, Father Chuck. And I also want to thank uh, Matt for, for bringing us Witch Hunter Robin. Yeah, and, and I think you guys should keep watching it. I probably will. Like I, mean, I said, I'm... Yeah, go ahead. Well, so one, of my, one, of my, one of my favorite novels is Silence by Shisaka Endo, which is a very beloved Japanese novel that was written by a Japanese Catholic. And it's so, like, that, that whole thing is just very bizarre to the, like, in Japanese culture. And so, like, I'm just, I just want to watch it for the for the like Japanese view pop culture views on like Roman Catholic iconography and right. stuff like that just stuff always fascinates me. Cool. And, and he had to name drop a bunch of other things that none of us have any clue what he's talking about. But go ahead. <laughs> um, so, and that's all uh, join us again next week. Uh, again, thanks, Matt, and also thank you, listeners and watchers. Don't forget, don't forget and, to like, subscribe. Yeah, and everybody, leave lots of comments telling Chuck to buy the burb so we can do an episode on that next week. <laughs> Have a wonderful week and enjoy spooky season. <laughs> you stole uh, it. You stole it. I was gonna say it. <laughs> good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.